on his bike, provided some run. Here's a chance. Bruce rarely misses. Hawks have started fast. O'Brien, Mitchell, and now O'Meara, end on end, and it's another one. Bruce has a runner in Smith. Smith runs to about 50. It's a beautiful kick of the football, and that is an absolute gem. The quickest of responses. Segler a little controlling hand. Boston missed with the handball. Stack gets wrapped up. Great tackle. Winger. One of the oldest teams the game has seen looks youthful. Yes, it was a really pleasing performance against the reigning Premiers and just the response we'd hoped for. We saw Vintage Smith, Jager was amazing and the Chad had a huge impact as the Hawks tamed the Tigers at the MCG. Welcome one and all to another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast, the go-to show for all fans of the Hawthorne Football Club. My name is Nick Mason and joining me is a man of many predictions, most of them on the money of late. G'day Tiz. Well, we got the response we wanted and now... We're all set. We're back in business, baby. How good is this? And then Geelong lose and we're just on top of the world. Not to mention everything that happened with Essendon. Oof, it's been a big weekend. Yeah, Essendon's developments are just the cherry on top for the for the whole league. I mean, you're wondering whether the football gods are just reading the same scripts all the time now, don't you? It's always Essendon. It's a nice little reprisal, isn't it? I mean, it's not the same old thing, but Essendon and Scandal just go together, don't they, those two words? <laughs> And breach. Anyway. uh... (laughs) Look, I could commend you for your modesty here because I I did sort of make mention of the fact that, well, you made a prediction along with me. I think together we made a prediction about the game that we just had, about our win over Richmond. Uh, I said that Wingard would kick three goals and you replied, if Wingard does that, we win the game. And he did. Wind you that third goal. Bit lucky. I'll take it every day of the week. But bit lucky. And we didn't need it to win. Let's just put it that way. We were we were sublime, weren't we? Everything that had been wrong against Geelong was rectified against the Tigers, who were uh well they were they were searching for answers. They um there were a few players there that were totally out of sorts. It's fantastic to see. Hawthorne eleven five seventy one defeated Richmond five nine thirty nine. Yeah, it, it was a fantastic response. Our mids really had a point to prove after lowering their colours at the Cattery. I mean, Alistair Clarkson comes out and calls them fourth rate, harsh but deserved. I mean, he wasn't wrong, and they really brought their A game here at their best. Just simply electrifying at times, led by the sensational Jager O'Meara on return. The hunger and intensity of the engine room, you feel like it just set an example for the rest of the team, and they hunted Richmond for most of the match. Jager made a statement, didn't he? He uh, he made his presence felt early, and it sort of put some energy into the boys. It, it structured them up a bit. They started looking for targets and hitting them up. It was one of those games where uh, where it looked like we didn't have leadership in the middle last week. He stood up immediately in the first moments on Thursday night. And that goal in the first quarter, uh, before the sensational goal by John Segler, but his goal out of the pack, I think it was Tim O'Brien, Tom Mitchell, and then Jager put it on the boot and bounced it through. That speaks to me of uh, captaincy material, that kind of stuff. Doesn't it speak to you? It's an astute observation. We needed a leader, especially in the midfield, and Jager did stand up. At halftime, his influence over this contest was simply unquestionable. 16 disposals, 7 of them contested, at 100% efficiency and a goal. 
he might score the three votes. I think anything less than two would be an absolute travesty. He was sublime, and it was the difference. I should say, he just had the one touch in the final quarter, which is not great. Yeah, he did fade. Yeah, yeah. but a few of our players did. Uh, no question, though, that Jag is the one that got us over the line, uh, primarily, I would say. So Ramon asks, is that Jom's best game for the club? And I'd have to say, probably. I have I've seen him kick three in a game for us, I think. So, And then there was that wonderful winner against Geelong that we can't forget. So, and more. It certainly is the best first half I've seen him play and the most dominating I've seen him. I can't recall him being quite as influential. Um, I thought he was fantastic. And you've got to keep in mind that it's his first game back after that long layoff and after that injury as well. And he showed just no signs of rust or any apprehension at the ball. He was silky smooth at times. And that was just so good to see. Yeah, there was a little bit of anger sort of bubbling there wasn't it that he wasn't there last week I think there was a maybe a certain look at me here I am come to save the day (laughs) (laughs) kind of feeling about Jager he would just bear through a few of the tackles like he was one-minded it was beautiful to see and uh, Tom Mitchell he's improving you know he got a he got a lot of touches again but um, I did notice uh, very few tackles which uh, which is well down on his average. I don't know. I think it's kind of a relief that he's not necessarily the focal point at this point in time. I like that he's got mates around him to chip in and help out. There might come a time where we need Mitchell to be back at his heroic best, but I'm, I'm happy for him to sort of just work his way back into the game of uh, elite Aussie rules at the moment. He doesn't need to be everything to this club, and I think that's a good position to be in. Now, another bloke who came, un- uh, came under a bit of stick last week was uh, Isaac Smith and all the other wingers, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but ha- how did he go? I mean, it, he looked to have fluffed their first goal, which was very unlucky. Like, I don't know why he didn't just put that across the line. But then immediate response with the left foot from 50. Great goal. Well, it's as I said in the intro, vintage Smith is what we saw in this particular evening, and that was just an example of it. Uh, Even before that fluff, though, in the back line, which, as you say, was extremely unlucky, he was already stamping his authority on the game. And uh, that first half, extremely damaging. Uh, I think he ended up with 29 touches. 21 of those were uncontested. So he just had acres of space and he ran right, created plenty of opportunities for his teammates. Four score involvements, 531 metres gained, 15 pressure acts, which is great to see. And uh, like O'Meara, his first half just went such a long way to securing the win. Excellent option on the outside. He was providing a lot of run, uh, as was Tom Scully. He seemed to be making sure that Bakahooli at times didn't have any space, um, which I found an interesting role. I also thought Tom Scully put his head over the ball a lot more. Did you notice he was bodying people, Nick? Because you uh, put him on blast last week for that. (laughs) So I was looking out for some improvement uh, in that capacity because everyone at the club would have noticed that. Yes, I I did note that he uh, improved in that area, which I was thankful for. And what did you think of Shields? Having been our best player the week before, he uh, just carried on in the midfield, didn't have a, a tagging role which I thought was much better. Yeah, I liked his game. I thought it was typically understated of Shields. Uh, I haven't chucked him on the rundown here because uh, I thought there are other players that did some um, some things ahead of him that were, were noteworthy, but that's Liam Shields in a nutshell, isn't it? He just gets it done. But that pass to Warple. Oh, that's true. Beautiful pass. <laughs> oh, 
that was champagne stuff, and I thought Warple would kick it, but uh, he's just having a bit of trouble controlling his um, heart rate, isn't he? I think with some of his finishing, mm. um, but he'll 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 get used to the role. It'll be great. He he did uh, seven tackles, big effort from him. What about a bloke with plenty of polish? Uh, Mr. Chad Wingard. There's one player that epitomised our drive and determination to make amends for last week. I reckon it's Chad Wingard. Would would that be fair to say, Tiz? So that's six goals over three rounds, and uh, every time we win, he kicks three. It's becoming a bit of a theme there, Nick. (laughs) He's the type of player that just breaks the lines. He's unpredictable. And you'd love to be leading to him. He's just got a marvellous little kick. 15 touches at 86.7% disposal efficiency. Three goals, as we said. Six score involvements in all. He was exciting. He was dangerous. It's kind of just what you want Chad Wingard to be. He really stepped up to the plate and heaped the pressure on Richmond in Puapolo's absence as well. Uh, 13 pressure acts. Yeah, he gets free kicks as well which is something that our forwards haven't done for a while. I was going to say, it's a little bit of a novelty. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it, it'll be great having Wingard in your, in your team. I mean, Clarkson must love it because he can put him anywhere. It's just a Mr. Fix-It. He's either in the midfield crashing packs and getting the ball out or uh, he can he can hit the hardest pass in AFL to the end of the forward 50. Um, and if he's... If he's near goals, he can kick him as well. He's a magnificent player to have on our side. And the criticisms we were getting from all parts of the media over all the, you know, the trades we'd done to get some of these boys in, some of them pick ones and certainly most of them top ten, um, to make room for the, uh, you know, it's just... It looked really good against the Premiers, didn't it? Everything looked like we'd done it perfectly. So how much of it is... Richmond being terrible and Hawthorne actually being good. It's it's still up in the air and it will be for a few weeks, I think. Teams don't play like that in a vacuum. Some of it has to be credit to Hawthorne. And I know that uh, the SEN, I think Gary Lyon and Tim Watson will be happy to debate whether it was uh, the lack of fans in attendance that threw Richmond off, uh, which can get in the bin as one of the worst <laughs> takes I've heard for some time. Although I have to contend with you there, you you did have a crack at them for Max Gorn's haircut being something that could bring down the Melbourne Football Club, and then they deliberately avoided having to sing the song with him. <laughs> and now Essendon have avoided playing Melbourne. <laughs> so there's something in it. Connect the dots, people. <laughs> it's right there. Uh, anyway, we had a late change, didn't we? We saw Poppy go out which was fantastic for me uh, in the post-match. Tom Brown <laughs> having a crack at Clarko. Oh, well, not really having a crack. He gets, does he get dibs on the first question? Is that how it works? Cause because he's with the host broadcaster. Clarko would never call on him first, right? <laughs> <That> would, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> anyway. I think you might be onto something. I think that might be how it works. But no, it wasn't so much having a crack at Clarko. It was just... Asking what was essentially just a feeble question. He's having a crack at their team selection. He's like, you you had picked the oldest side. Did you squib it and drop Puopolo at the last minute? Okay. And yeah. Clarko decided he might go along with it. He'd be going, yeah, we, we actually, we saw those headlines. We didn't know about it. So, yeah, Poppy had to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, anyway, the bloke, he was obviously joking, but the bloke that came in, 
Jack Scrimshaw. Mm. Why hasn't he been playing, Nick? Why didn't he play against Geelong? Well, if you weren't asking that question before, you were asking the question by the final siren because he was amazing. He made the most of his opportunity as a late change and... uh, as ever, when he plays out there, he just looks like a total natural. He finished with 18 touches, ran at 72%, five rebound 50s. He looked really good. Yeah, and in his 250th game, Birchall was terrific for Hawthorne, wasn't he? He was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, doesn't he play like him? It's like, it's a bit freaky, honestly. The parallels are just impossible to ignore. No wonder we couldn't have them both in the same team. <laughs> Nothing would have gone wrong. It would have been like the Twilight Zone. <laughs> anyway, late change for Poppy, and uh, he'd look good. He seems to have an ability to break the lines, even though he doesn't appear to be that quick when you go to training. He's, but he seems to ha- be quick of mind, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's not a terribly imposing figure or anything like that, but, God, he, he just gets it done. He, he plays his role to perfection. So I'm glad he's back in the team. I, I think it spells a bit of trouble for Poppy being the guy who made way. Not quite sure how Poplo gets back, but we'll touch on that a bit later. I think the player that we have to make mention of, considering he was kind of in the gun last week, is John Segler, because we uh, well and truly won the ruck battle against Soldo. Yeah, Soldo's a premiership ruckman, but he's still inexperienced. And uh, Segler used that to his advantage. He he played very well, I thought. Um, he kicked a lovely goal from... Uh, Obvious holding the ball decision. Was it Stack he, he grabbed onto? Stack had a shocker. It was Stack, yeah. And then went back and drilled it unerringly. Didn't didn't put the didn't roll back on the kick like he often does. But he kept his head over the ball and put it straight through and it was a wonderful end to that first first quarter and we were just waiting for Richmond to come back at us, weren't we? And uh eventually when they did get forward fifties there was Sicily and McAvoy and well, Scrimshaw just uh, eager to just pump it back. We'll make mention of Sicily and McAvoy again in a sec, but focusing back on Segler, I think he just did really well to make amends. I was critical of him last week. I thought he had a very patchy game, and when he was down, it really cost us. But on this occasion, more than double the disposals uh, compared to Soldo, double the hitouts and a goal. I think it just restored some confidence for Hawks fans that, you know, he might be able to be our number one guy. I think time will tell, but... With this McAvoy experiment rolling on, I think uh, we're going to find out one way or another. Yeah, well, the experiment works, Nick. That's obviously staying. Um, (laughs) For all those of you who lacked faith, who questioned (laughs) the oracle that is Clarko. I'll put my hand up. It was designed for Richmond, and by golly, it worked. Having said that, they had no Dusty. Oh, but is Dusty a 5-6 goal player, though? Does he make that much of a difference? We're still running around out there with the same structures, the same players. I know he adds a lot, but come on. It's an excellent question. No Dusty, no Richmond is is what I'm quietly going with, I think. Okay, all right. And the the fact is, um, Jack Rewalt looked shocking. He looked a bit old. Well held. When the chips are down, Jack just has the biggest sook. Oh, his goal-kicking action at one point was just of a guy that did not want to be out there. He did not care. <laughs> well, I mean, if Tom Lynch is getting paid more than you and he's missing from the square, I'd be kicking <laughs> it like that myself. No, that's fair enough. James Sicily did well. I thought he, he marshaled the defence a lot better this week. Uh, also had the most metres gained. He did. He did. It was 600 and something, wasn't it? Yeah, 650 metres gained. And it wasn't an imposing performance, really. No, no. I I had him pegged as the unsung hero for that reason. I I don't think he was uh, 
particularly authoritative or commanding in the game that he played, but he did contribute well. 23 touches at 87%, 9 rebound 50s. I thought it was a, a pretty solid return to form after what was a pretty quiet game against the Cats. I mean, that 87%, that's fabulous. It's, it's what you need from your defence. <laughs> Otherwise, that ball is coming straight back in. So we just go through who ran at 87 Well, let's... Let's include Chad Wingard, 86.7. Yeah. And then you have Sisley, 87. Tom Mitchell, 87. Jager, 91.3. Ben McAvoy, 91.7. For a bloke that size, that's incredible. <laughs> then Patton, O'Brien and Hardwick all ran at 100%. Well, the first two, well, all of them I can believe, but the first two especially, because they barely had any of the footy. <laughs> you, uh, you worried about Patton yet? Not worried. He had seven touches, three marks, two tackles tried to develop into the game, um, kicked a goal again, which is, um, you know, it, it'll work into it. It's a long time off, long time off. And if you think Tom Mitchell's, you know, he only missed a year. Johnny Patton's hasn't played many games in the last four years. So, and, t- and Timmy had a goal and he had five disposals. But if that kid... And do I, can I say kid anymore, or is he a bit too old now? He's been on the list of fair while this. If he gets his tail up, because he's a confidence player, and those marks start clunking, my goodness, that's a 100-point win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a little much, but uh, I, I see what you're getting at. Uh, am I concerned about Patton, was your original question. Uh, not particularly, not this stage. I'm not worried just yet, because I think he still poses a problem for teams. They definitely have to man him up. They definitely have to put time and effort into him, which can only be a good thing for us. He's simply too big and and too dangerous to sort of leave unmarked. Uh, Eventually, though, I'm probably going to need a little more scoring output from him. I think it's that'll click into place eventually is the hope. But yeah, right now, uh, he's, he's more a presence than an active contributor. Um, I just hope the rest of it gets sorted out in time. Two scoring involvements for Johnny Patton and four for Timmy O'Brien. Scoring involvements were topped by Jack Gunston and Chad Wingard with six, followed by... I know who you're going to say. The indomitable (laughs) Sean Burgoyne with five. (laughs) He's being a little bit more physical than I expected of the old man. Maybe he was being very, very tentative in the back line for years, just trying not to give away a free kick. But he is <laughs> giving it to his opponents now. So what you're saying is Burgoyne's gone into attack mode, basically. <laughs> <Yes>. yeah, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> Wonderful. You made mention of disposal efficiency before. We had a question from Nick Vines at Hawk Talk Pod. Thought our field kicking was pretty good this week. Who do we think is currently our best kick at the club? Ooh, that's a wonderful... Well, it'd have to be Hardwick, surely. I was going to say Hardwick. Hardwick, for a long time, uh, was sort of our disposal efficiency king, and I see no evidence to sway me on that. Uh, I think he's still the man. Uh, I think, actually, our defenders in general... I'm going to give you the evidence. Okay, all right. Hardwick hits easy passes. Well, all the time. Mm -hmm. If you had Johnny Patton running forward with the flight of the ball, and you had... Uh, who's a good defender? None of the Geelong ones. Um, <laughs> Harris Andrews going back, and you could see him trying to get into the... trying to get back into the hole, and you had to pick one player in the Hawthorne lineup to hit the pass to Patton's chest. You've only got 10 seconds left in the game. Who do you want 
hitting that pass? I think it's got to be a defender, and I'd probably say Sicily. Mm, I don't mind Sicily. Sicily's good. Yeah. But I'd take Chad, I reckon. Okay. Because he's done it a few times. I've seen him hit some marvellous passes. And he hits stuff that other people don't expect. <laughs> Yet. But they will begin to expect it. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of upside in this team. And I just hope they can, you know, keep the momentum into next week. I just want to include this comment from Umesh. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce the name. He commented on the McAvoy experiment, saying, I've had doubts about it all along, but exposed form would suggest we were caught out once of the five times we've used it, so I'm coming around. It seems to work. I, I wanted to make mention of the comment because I'm the same as him. <laughs> I put my hand up. I say that last week on the pod... You know, clearly I was not sure at all about this tactic heading into face the Premiers, uh, the reigning Premiers, I should say. But uh, look, you, you made a good point, Tiz. Like, the strategy was designed to take down the number one team in the comp, and it worked. And the fact is, as our listener just pointed out, it's worked for five games or so, four or five games. So there's more evidence to suggest that it's a good thing than bad. Five out of six? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, five out of six, something like that. Yeah, the only thing is if you if your effort is down. Well, I suppose it's true for anything, any plans. If your effort's down, but um, if your effort's down and you've got that structure, you get hammered, I think. We heard from George at Hawk Talk Pod. I'm concerned about the last quarter. We're still unable to stop onslaughts. What's the answer? I thought the inclusion of Tom Mitchell would help. It doesn't appear so. Yeah, it's an ongoing, ongoing challenge. Um, I think they felt they were safe, don't you? I think... Also, Richmond needed to show something, and uh, our contested possessions dropped in that final quarter, and I think Jager was having a rest, and uh, we brought them back on, and you know we righted the ship, kicked the goals all over. I'm not too worried about that. I want to point out how how wonderful 16-minute quarters are for a team <laughs> that's nearing 30. <laughs> yeah, it works quite well, doesn't it? Yeah. Although we are seeing in the league at the moment, if you don't start well, it's all over. Pretty much, yeah. You have to be switched on from the start, otherwise you will get rolled and you won't get back into it. Well, unless you're Geelong, but even then you still don't win. Well, they had a lot of uh, help. Um, <laughs> a few umpiring decisions that were... I mean, if there'd been a crowd there... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think there's a range of factors that that come into the uh, the Tigers getting back into the game. I think naturally Hawthorne were tired. I think perhaps some complacency does come into it uh, that they thought they had the game won. I think I think a lot of it is psychological, to be honest. Um, they had to. They they didn't adjust quite as quickly as I would have liked to playing a uh, a safer and more sensible brand of football. There was a lot of um, rushed, nonsensical kicks. They didn't seem to overpossess it, uh, which they should have done, I felt. Just just sort of sapped the energy out of the game a bit. Um, anyway, we ended up winning by the margin that it was at quarter time. That's right, yeah, 32 points. Uh, we had some more questions here. Along the lines of what we were talking about before, we heard from both Nat and Wiley hitting us up at Hawk Talk Pod. First from Nat, I know Patton needs time, but how long do we not play Mitch Lewis? And Wiley adds, why is Lewis not in the team? Nothing against Patton or O'Brien. They're creating a contest, 
but zero contested marks against Richmond and only three marks combined. I'd rather have those contests result in a mark at least a couple of times, which is a skill Lewis has shown. Last year, Lewis averaged just over two contested marks and just under five marks a game. Yeah, the team only had three contested marks for the whole game, Hawthorne. Is that right? It's pretty bad. (laughs) Tom Lynch had three on his own, and I think Richmond had nine all up. So... It's not our go. This is a team that we were worried were playing too tall and we clunked three contested marks. That's great. What are we going to do about that? Are we going to bring Mitch Lewis in for Timmy? Well, it's, it's either going to be Tim O'Brien or Patton. I, don't, I would love to. How did he go midweek, Mitch Lewis? Well, in a scratch match, the quote taken from the report is as follows. Mitch Lewis was good as well. He looked really sharp with his movement. His aerial work was really good, as was his follow-up work on the ground. Gee, I don't know, Tiz. It sounds like a player that we could really use in our side right now. Uh, yeah, it does. If you didn't have Timmy there, you know, who does everything just as well. Oh, come no. off it. <laughs> you can't say that with a straight face. Well, it's such a balanced lineup, isn't it? Everyone can play a different position, apart from Patton. All I know is that Lewis has to come in. I, I don't want you sidestepping that anymore, because you have to admit that he has to play... I mean, we've had three rounds now, no sign of Lewis. O'Brien can't clunk a mark. You might want to give Patton a rest. Whatever reason you're going to apply to this, Lewis needs to play. I don't care which one of them sits out this week. So if we're looking to expose North, that could be interesting. They've got Robbie Tarrant and Josh Walker as their key defenders. You're saying that with a smirk. Bring (laughs) Lewis in. You remember what happened in the first quarter last year when we played them? I do, actually. He looked terrific. He's all over them. No, I can I can see this being good. D Taylor at Hawk Talk Pod. I love Poppy, but Wingard has shown pressure coupled with offensive danger. Poppy may struggle to get another game, especially once Impy returns. Yeah, we all love Poppy. Uh, I hope he can get to his 200th game. I think he's eight games away from that. Yeah, eight games in a 17-game season, though, seems pretty significant. That's the only thing. I desperately want him to reach that milestone as well. I think he's been fantastic for the club. Clearly, triple premiership player. He deserves it. He deserves to make the milestone. But uh, suddenly, it's looking a little bit dicey. Yeah, I heard Morris was excellent in the scratch match as well. And he's billed as a freak, isn't he? He's the, he's the guy that arrived at the club with the, uh, what do you call him, the rat tail? The mullet. Didn't he have a rat tail as well? Anyway, he came with a mullet and uh, he's all character. And he's just the type of, he's a bit Collingwood, isn't he? He's a bit Collingwood player. But we'll make, we'll make good of him, you know? <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's exciting. But this is the point that I think D. Taylor raises, is that there's just only so many spots. So you're talking about Morris. I mean, he's way down the pecking order at this point because he's new to the club. But There's Walker as well. Yeah, there's just... Uh, there's quite a few reasons and they're building as to why Poppy just simply doesn't get back into the team. I know it's only been one game, but we didn't seem lost without him. Uh, we heard from Wiley at Hawk Talk Pod. Although I love Poppy, I feel the pressure applied by Wingard and the forwards this game showed he isn't essential with his current form. What are your thoughts? Well, I'd have to agree. What I would say is that it is a small sample size. Like I said, it's one game, but uh, it is intriguing to see how that's going to play out. I mean, Hanrahan didn't have a tackle. No tackles. Jeez, okay. That'd have <laughs> been an interesting conversation. Um, what did you think of Hanrahan? I thought he played decently. He, he took on a kick that not many players would take on. 
thankfully, Burgoyne was good enough to keep that ball in play and then I think it got through to O'Meara, wasn't it? Beautiful goal in the end. But only for the fact that he'd been so ambitious is the right term. He had a few of those moments, Hanrahan, and uh, they didn't always come off. <laughs> that one did, and it was sensational, but he, he rolled the dice a couple of times. It's not that he thinks he's better than he is. He's, he's just not being very cautious, is he? And I like that. I like him to, sort of taking the game on. We had a couple of questions uh, revolving around Hanrahan. Uh, D Taylor once again hit us up at Hawk Talk Pod. My concern is the lack of polish from the youngsters. Clarko has always targeted good distributors. Hanrahan and Morrison currently fall short. With less disposals, disposal efficiency is a lot more important. I'm not sure that they're um, terrible for young players. Often young players take a little while to get it into their stride and uh, make the decisions a bit quicker. I mean, Scrimshaw is very good at making excellent, quick-witted decisions at the moment. But he's just learning the craft. I mean, we've seen Warple on the outside of the packs a few times make some horrible decisions. And uh, he makes great decisions inside. So it's just where they are on the field, they've got to remember what the tactic is at that point. I'm sure Hanrahan won't ever kick up the middle again (laughs) (laughs) from that position, Uh, no matter... That that came off. Um, yeah, there are team rules depending on where you've got the footy. And um, sometimes, if you remember the rule but you don't look up to see what the option is, um, you look a bit stupid. We had a couple of listeners add to this thing about Hanrahan. Uh, George at Hawk Talk Pod. Hanrahan is an issue. He makes the wrong decisions. Obsessive compulsive. I question Hanrahan's decision making, but he gets plenty of the ball and works hard. Uh, is there enough of the latter to be patient with the former? I think at the moment there is, don't you? Yep, you persist with him, uh, especially if you're not going to play Poppy. Hanrahan has to stay in the side. Uh, and not begrudgingly, I'm happy for him to be there. I just don't see... I'm not bothered by his deficiencies at this point in time. No, he's an honest competitor. He certainly loves a goal, which is something I enjoy. Uh, we heard from Jane, uh, who actually hit us up at Hawk Talk Pod and cited a tweet that she'd found which read, Alistair Clarkson's ability to claim full credit when Hawthorne win and assume no responsibility when they lose is truly staggering. And so she has a question for the pod. Do you think Clarkson gets too much credit and the players not enough credit from the footy media after a win? For the players to steal the limelight, you usually have to have a player that steps in and takes the game by the scruff of the neck, don't you? And I don't think you can point to a player that did that. What, this game? I'd say Jager O'Meara or Smith. Came close for a half. Yep. But it's the structures that Clarkson's put in place that stopped Richmond. True. I'd agree with that, yeah. You'll find Dusty gets called all kinds of saintly things when they're playing really well and and Dimmer doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, But I think Hawthorne's efforts and the way Clarko likes to go about it, the club like to go about it, is everyone plays their role. No one has to kick 10, you know, and this is what allows Patton to have these performances where he gets into himself. If we were a club like Port Adelaide a couple of years ago, waiting for their big key forward to finally show up and they can win a game, it's just not going to happen because the pressure's too much. Uh, So the environment that Clarko creates, where everyone, as long as they win the game, he has a few touches, he's combining the goal, they all celebrate a goal. Wingard's been very sort of... You know, he used to be make huge remonstrations and perhaps it's because the crowd isn't there, but he's going to other players and he's, you know, um, uh, directing his attention to the guy that gave him the ball to set him up. 
it's it's actually really good for the teamwork and um, for SEN to say you know uh, Richmond just aren't responding because there's no crowd is pretty strange because most of them cite the teammates as their their greatest um, propellant for winning. One thing I will say about this is that. I think the responsibility for Hawthorne's victories, a lot of it does rightfully go to Clarkson. I think he has the players that execute his plan, certainly, but you know he's the one that masterminds these things. And occasionally that can be lazy of the footy media to sort of just play into these narratives of Clarko the genius and Clarko this and Clarko that. But there's, there's a little bit of truth to that. That's so harsh. <laughs> lazy football media. I mean, that's just the drive-by, Nick. Do you have any examples, please? I mean, we need to... <laughs> Do I have any examples of lazy footy media? Can't be bothered, mate. <laughs> no, I think there's truth in the fact that, you know, Clarko does mastermind these things. Uh, it's a little bit overdone by the footy media to constantly rely on that narrative. But I do when I do think about Hawthorne uh, and players having, having like, game-breaking performances, uh, they just don't seem to operate the same as other clubs. I think, you know, Tom Tom Mitchell has to break a record before you're talking about a single individual with Hawthorne. It's we're just not talked about that way. And when does when does Clarko talk about the playing group and really say how well they played? Like when do you actually notice it? Yeah, exactly. And it's not in service of his own ego. It's it's not to direct the attention back on him. Generally it's when he feels that they have um, got it over the line like they've either executed the plan perfectly or it's been a really tight contest and they found a way I think is his phrase isn't it they found a way to win and that's when because he knows with you know three minutes to go in, in each quarter he can't really have much impact until he gets to the group uh, and that's all down to the team out there it's an interesting one though the other thing I wanted to uh, point out was the uh, the amount of soccering Hawthorne was doing to keep the ball moving. Did you notice that? It meant that the the defensive group of Richmond would either be sucked up to the contest as they and then the ball would move a little bit and they'd be out of position. It was it was a skillful and subtle way to keep them from being well structured around the football. It was skillful, it was subtle, and I dare say it was brave, Tiz, because that ball in dispute mentality of just soccering it along and moving it forward. They're not like hoofing it or anything. They're just flicking it a couple of metres. Yep. No, it's very, it's careful and it's deliberate. But also, as I say, it is quite risky because Richmond are not bad at their contested footy. They want the ball. They want the chaos ball and want it to be in dispute because they feel they can win and often they do. So as a strategy, as strategies go, it was a very curious one, but it seemed to work for us because we had the confidence, I guess. That's that's all I can put it down to. We, we thought we could take it up to Richmond and play that style of game and they weren't up to the, they weren't up to the task comparatively. Gee, they love a win, these uh, Twitterers, don't they? Oh, mate, live tweeting was just such a joyous experience. It was so good, because it's been a while. Obviously, round one was the last time I got to live tweet a win. And uh, just reading everyone's comments and celebrating with everyone, it was really just such a positive and uplifting experience. It, it, it enriches the win every time. 
Um, most of it was celebratory. No one was really hammering it to the Tigers, were they? They just sort of, this is how good we can be? No, I think there's a begrudging respect for Richmond at this point. I don't think they're anywhere close to what we accomplished in the uh, 2010s. However, they're a decent side, and it's just uh, it was just an occasion to celebrate that we... We got one over a good team. It didn't. There didn't seem to be any point in going the opposition. Although I will put my hand up and say that I did. <laughs> I was just pleased for Richmond that they were able to surpass that thirty-six points from round two. Yes, I noticed that you congratulated them on that effort. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Hawk Talk Pod. Uh, if you join there, it's so much fun to read everyone's tweets. As I said, after a win, plenty of fun over on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Hawk Talk Pod. Uh, hey, that thing you're listening to right now, maybe you're listening to it via Apple Podcasts, in which case you can jump on there and rate and review the show. It makes a huge difference to do that. Uh, you know, not only in the standings for the podcast and how we chart and that sort of thing, but on a personal note, it really lifts us up to read, you know, those five-star reviews. So hit those five stars. And we'll read them out on the pod. It's good. Yeah, we've been giving people shout-outs, so we'll continue to do that. If you leave a nice review, we're happy to read it out and give you a shout-out for that. Uh, and Patreon, of course, is the big one for us as well. Subscribe and support the show there. Subscribe for perks, any tier really, but the $5 one especially is probably the most popular because you get all the bonus episodes. And we released one recently going player-by-player player from Brooksby, counting down to Morrison. Just took a look at what each player offers and what they what they bring to the table and what they're going to do for this Hawthorne side. So uh, bonus eps, including that one, available from the $5 tier. Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. So Nick, we're about to go 3-1. and one. Oh, is that right? Is it? You already called it. Well, I mean, if they can't beat Sydney, mate, they, you know... Sydney only just got over the line against Adelaide. I'm watching Gold Coast absolutely dismantle Adelaide. So they're not that good, are they? Uh, it's a funny old season. I just I don't know what weight any predictions have at the moment. Very cautious in trying to read any read anything into any result right now. And then North absolutely brutalised GWS. So do you want me to go further or should I just stop there? <laughs> no, I just... I think what we'll do, you know, obviously I'd love to preview the game against North Melbourne, knowing my red-hot hatred for that club. Uh, <laughs> so we'll do that a bit later in the week. How about that? Well, I mean, we play the Sunday night, don't we? We've got the graveyard shift. <laughs> yeah, we play the Sunday night. Why don't we wait until at least we have teams? So if Mitch Lewis is included, I can celebrate that. And if he's left out, I can mourn it all over again. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Well, what are we left to talk about? Well, a lot can happen in even a day of football, mate. I mean, there's probably news breaking right now as we're recording this. You know, what happens with Essendon and all that stuff. Ah, uh, yes. It's funny. <laughs> I moved heaven and earth to get Conor McKenna back to the club. They just needed his run, you know? <laughs> they needed him in defence. And uh, as I understand it, if it happened at Hawthorne, um, and I'm sure Conor will be fine because he's uh, asymptomatic and... And uh, didn't know he had it. And if it happened at Hawthorne, they've been training in little groups, so about six players, six or seven players. And um, what they do is they take them from different parts of the side, so a couple of defenders, a couple of midfielders, you know, just so if they do need to be quarantined, it's not a big hole out of your lineup. You know, you only put a couple of stars in the group, and I guess that sort of helps with team ethos as well. That'll be a little bit of fun. But uh... well, what it is, Tiz. 
is it's sensible. It's sensible. It's it's common sense, isn't it, Nick? That's the word we're looking for. Common <laughs> sense. And they're bereft of that in Essendon because he played with the first, what would you say, their elite backline. That is who he ran around with. Mm. Genius from the boys at Essendon. They will have no backline for probably three weeks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could be right. We're reading, uh, this is a quote from the AFL website, the Bombers could be forced to play next week's clash against Carlton without a significant portion of its playing list as the AFL continues to investigate which players have been in close contact with Connor McKenna. The Victorian Department of Health and Human Services has advised the AFL that any Essendon player who has been in close contact with McKenna must self-isolate for the next 14 days. So those players are Adam Saad, Kale Hooker, Michael Hurley, Matt Guelphy, Jordan Ridley, and Mason Redman. Big holes in that defence. Now, listeners obviously being Hawks fans, they might wonder why on earth we would even bring this up. It does not concern the mighty brown and gold. However, we might be playing them. We've only known our next two matches. The league might go, oh, this will be funny. (laughs) This will be hilarious. Let's let Hawthorne play Essendon at their lowest ebb again. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing I wanted to say, Tiz. It does concern us because we don't know what the future holds. We might have to play Essendon, and how's that going to affect things? That could be very interesting. But also, I just wanted to bring it up. Um, How would you feel... As a member, say, you know, imagine, put yourself in their shoes, if you even dare. I know you don't want to imagine anything Essendon and being an Essendon fan, but how would you feel as a member, as a paid member? You'd be fuming, wouldn't you? Um, not really. I've got conditioned to it now. <laughs> um, disappointed in the club, generally. Um, it's been a while now since we won a final, and... Well, Nick, you know, I think the AFL just have it in for us. I mean, no other team has gone that long without winning a final. And with that as a fact, I have to suggest that the AFL have it against us. This is scarily accurate. They're being really, really mean. I mean, they said they were going to, like, close the whole league if one player got COVID. Like, they said they'll just shut the league for 30 days. And now they're saying we have to play anyway. This is this isn't fair. And, like, this isn't <laughs> happening to anyone else. It's always us. And it's because we're bigger. It's because we're better. <laughs> That's why this is happening. Anyway, I spoke to a mate. Back to me now. Oh, back to you? Good. I, I'm glad that you signposted there was a shift because I don't know how much I could go on with that. Just the full body chill <laughs> uh, based on the accuracy of which you presented an Essendon fan for this podcast. It was a little too much for me to handle. Uh, I was speaking to a mate on the phone earlier and he's just like, how did Connor cop it? Like, how did he pick it up? And apparently, shock, horror. Prepare to be distraught at the news that he breached the guidelines. Yeah, well, of course he did. That's not news. Ever That had to have happened at some point. That's why we're here. That's how any of this happened. No, I mean, you can be unlucky and pick it up, you know, some random way, but this guy's been carrying on like he didn't care. I mean, uh, AFL players, by now we know AFL players have form in not giving a crap about these rules. He's not the only guy to do it, but but this is probably the most significant breach. Yeah, well, maybe he needed the fifteen hundred bucks. Who knows, Nick? <laughs> hey? It could it could be a fun drive for the Essendon Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, when you are standing by her, just keep it one point five meters away from him. Okay. <laughs> 
Mate, th- th- what, what I'm really worried about is it really just tarnishes the reputation of Connors in the AFL. Connor Nash doesn't need this. Connor Glass doesn't need this. Leave the Connors alone. Anyway, he's on his Pat Malone for uh, the f- next 14 days, and um, ah, it'd be great to watch them try to defend again. The thing that I'm curious about, as ever, with anything like this, is the psychological repercussions and the fallout from it. Uh, what What is it like like having Conor McKenna as a teammate at the moment? Do, do you trust him? Do you feel good about him at this point in time? Or do you just absolutely hate his guts? Well, I think you just enjoy his absence. Just... <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to stop laying into the kid. Because at the end of the day... He's got COVID, the exactly, poor bastard. Exactly, so I'm going to extend some sympathy for that. However, the fact that it's Essendon that's affected is simply sublime. He's homesick, and now he's all alone in his house. So this is a kid that, you know, everything's gone wrong for him. And to make matters worse, the people in charge at Essendon have made it so much worse for him as now they don't have a backline. So this is what can happen if you don't have the structures right and the leadership in place in a club. It's not Conor McKenna's fault entirely, because it could have been limited. It could have been, you know, two other midfielders, maybe a couple of other fellas, you know. And it's so much worse for them not having followed the guidelines. An Essendon scandal? What is this, 2013? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, can we return to our club and talk about how great Clarko is calling out Geelong? Yeah, sure. I think that's how we'll end the episode, talking about how Clarko is so smart, so brilliant. Well, wait. Wait, wait, wait. I need some reflected praise here. Because I did say I would love to be Carlton playing the old men of Geelong the following week. I think you did say that, yeah. That's something I did miss out from the top of the show. I I, I called you... I said you were correct about Wingard, but you were also correct about that. They were awful. And it was delightful. And for Clarker to have said, well, I mean, Geelong... They're not that good. And for the media to turn into Geelong aren't that good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is, they took out the emphasis, didn't they? Well, they took out the context. If anything, the headline should have been Clarko doubles down on criticism of fourth-rate midfield. That was that was the story. But he used Geelong to illustrate his point, saying like, well, you know, Geelong won, but let's face it, we were pretty bad which doesn't say anything about Geelong. It says more about how Hawthorne lowered their colours. Do you reckon that's brilliant mind games from Clarko? Well, mind games to what effect? He didn't need to say it. But also, that's the brilliance of it. He didn't need to say it, but it was 100% correct anyway. (laughs) I want someone to ask him about Pitnett, because he was great in that game. He was everywhere. He was tackling. He was contested possessions. He was in the ruck. He had a good game against Max Gorn the week before. Making us look stupid, Nick. Making us look stupid. Is he really? It's early days. Come on. I didn't hear any support for retaining Pidnet at the time. Everyone was on the Segler bandwagon. Everyone thought that was a great idea. Don't worry about Pidnet. We're going to be okay. He's done nothing at AFL level. It'll be fine. Well, he hadn't done nothing because we'd never played him. For people to turn around and, and express massive regret now, I think they need to sort of check themselves. Look, look several months in the past... And search how your feelings were then. You'll know that you didn't want to keep Pittenet. Just let the guy enjoy his time at Carlton. He's playing senior footy. He's clearly loving it. Good luck to him. 
All right, to sign off, we've got a hypothetical from Alex. Our side slash squad has never been better balanced. If not, what's missing? Um, better balanced. What does that mean to you, Nick? It, it means that we don't necessarily urgently want in any part of the ground, which uh, I would say right now that's somewhat true. But fast forward a year, that could be very different. <laughs> it's 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 forever changing. So is this a sort of um, backhanded compliment? Is this like a a sea of mediocrity at Hawthorne headline, or is it um, you know you don't know which mole to whack? It's a whack a mole. They're all good. I'm not sure it's speaking necessarily to the quality of the team or the list. It's just we've kind of filled the roles that we need to fill right now. But as I said, that that easily changes. I mean, immediately, uh, the player that's brought to mind for me is what the hell we do when Frawley's not on the list anymore. Um, at the moment, we don't really have an answer for that. But as long as he's playing, it's fine. I got Kaczynski. Kaczynski's hanging around. Yeah, he's hanging around, but he, he's still a way off it, you know. He's still got a, got that development to do. And there's Hartley. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's fine right now. I think we're really well balanced now, but that changes very quickly. So, um, yeah, I, I'm happy with where, where we are now. Are we the best team in the league? I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, I'm confident across all of our lines that we've got good talent there that can produce and perform. And, uh, yeah, I, I put it this way. I'm not looking at our best 22 and going, oh, we're kind of, I've kind of made up the numbers here. Like I, I get to about 18 and then I have to pick the bench and I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys, I suppose. I don't have to do that. So in that sense, I think we are pretty well balanced. There's a lot of balance between the lines as well. There's a lot of overlap between who can play midfield, who can play back, who can play forward. That's a that's another way that Hawthorne is balanced. And it lets Clarko make a lot of changes that are unexpected to the other box. Yeah, I was going to say, this is absolutely by design. This is a another Clarkoism. It, it, it's a Clarko philosophy where you just create that overlap and, and have versatile players that can switch in and out of roles. And they have their ideal spots, but that's not to say they can't be switched around. That's exactly what he's gone for for many years now. I think we've spoken about this before, but any player, like a young player, can come into the club and approach Jack Gunston... And almost like those, uh, what are those folders they have in the NFL, the playbooks? Almost like the playbook, he can say, Jack, if there's a throw-in and we're 30 metres inside forward 50, um, what is your position? What's your role in that moment? And Jack will tell him. And he, he has to know off the top of his head, Jack has it written down in a folder what his role is. But the kid absorbs his folder for his specific position. And then as he goes around the club, he's, he's he learns where other players are meant to be as well. And that way he learns the positioning of the whole team and how it should look, things like that. So Will Dale will be finding out where the defensive midfielders want to be uh, and where they need him when he's playing defence. I, I sometimes wish that I was an American now and then I think about their current situation and I think, no. But I mean coming to the game for the first time and having it all to open up before you again, to learn it all, to appreciate it all once again. Um, that would be terrific. And I hope they're being nurtured in that. I hope they haven't got some... Because um, it, it, it's not... You don't learn the game from the television. Like, you enjoy the game, 
but you learn very little about it. Yeah. You learn a lot of from the game is sitting in a stand and some idiot yelling out some truth. And you can tell the bloke's an idiot because he's buggered up the grammar construction. <laughs> but it is true for the situation of the game. Do you know what I mean? It, it's uh, and, and you learn through experience. And, and being at the ground, I find it terribly frustrating watching the television not being able to see the positioning of our defenders or, or the forwards and where we're leaving the space. And oh. I long for the philosophers of the Great Southern Stand. <laughs> <laughs> you miss them. I never thought I'd miss them, but you do. Yeah, you do. And they still haven't got the the um, the fake cheers getting ball out at the right volume, have they? Never once has has there been a, a roar of ball when Joel Selwood picked the ball up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can see we've got one more question tacked on to the end of this here, so we might as well get it over with. Uh, Ramon would like to know, and this is quite strange. Um, what is Nick's Tinder profile name? <laughs> no, I don't use Tinder. I don't use Tinder. I think one of my grapples with online dating is still remains. It's the same problem that came up last time. You don't see any Hawthorne supporters on there. That would be the dream. You, don't, you just don't see them. What you do see is an abundance of Richmond supporters who are single, and I think that says a lot. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, mate, well, we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, we'll be back later in the week to preview the game against North Melbourne, the home game at Marvel Stadium against North Melbourne at the delightful time of 6.05pm, if you don't mind. We'll be back later in the week to preview that one. Uh, for now, though, if you could jump on Apple Podcasts, if you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, and you can jump on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. The community there keeps building, and it's a lot of fun right now, so join us over there. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod, and Patreon. Subscribe and support the show. Thank you to all our new subscribers as well. Uh, it's great to have you aboard. If you do like the show and do want to support us, that's the place to go. Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. Now, don't forget to tell them you've got a rant prepared for Thursday. Oh, yeah, it's already written. <laughs> don't worry about that, guys. The fire has been burning for some time, probably ever since the fixture was announced. I've been looking forward to this round four clash. Don't you worry about that. All right, mate. I'll see you, see you soon. Okay, mate. Uh, you know, clearly, with everything that's been in the news, the footy news lately, stay safe. Stay at home. Just be. Just have common sense, all right? Look after yourself. Yeah, mate. You know, whatever it takes. <laughs> we are a happy team at Hawthorne. <laughs>